We aspire to love our neighbor as we love ourselves in obedience to Christ's command in the gospel. But are we also called to love ourselves the way we aspire to love our neighbor? That's what we're talking about today on Elevate Ordinary. Well, hello and welcome back to Elevate Ordinary. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi. And I'm Teresa Grodi. And we're back with another extraordinary conversation about the ordinary pursuit of truth, goodness, and beauty. We very appreciate, I have no words, I don't, I don't have the best words, we very much appreciate that you're here with this for this discussion. Uh, I want to remind you, as always, that if you like what we're doing here on this show, you can check us out at ElevateOrdinary.com. That's where our Patreon community is located, and you can find a lot of information about that there. And the best way to access this show and follow along with this and other shows on Awaken Catholic is via the Awaken app at theawakenapp.io. So check that out as well. Teresa, today we're talking about temperance. We're overdue for this episode. We started working on, gosh, we started working on the Cardinal Virtues, our little run-through, like, Long time ago, like a half a year always. ago or more, something like that. <laughs> We're always working. So, on it. this is just like the least sexy one for me. I don't understand it. <laughs> well, it's the one that involves sex, so I mean, but, I mean, it, could, it can for I many just, people. For some, for I have this will be an interesting episode because I I'm you're gonna have a lot of dumb questions because I have a really hard time understanding and distinguishing this particular virtue from something like patience mm. or courage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we I'll give a quick recap of the virtues we've talked about so far. And we've talked about all the virtues in many different ways over the last couple of years here on this show. Um, but the reason we were we were doing kind of another another run through them this year is because we hadn't really sat down and worked on the definitions and, and gone through of them. Each one. Of each one. And we, I, we've, we've done them in passing, sort of, yeah. Gosh, I it, like as a non-theologian and a non-philosopher – um, as somebody who's just kind of like muddling through my days <laughs> in everyday life. Um, I, I was just thinking about this the other day, learning the definitions of the virtues and the vices that um, oppose them, that oppose the virtues in particular. Like it really impacts my daily life and my daily decision making. I, I mean, almost more than anything, yeah. you know, like I, there are a few things like the discernment of spirits, learning St. Ignatius of Loyola's discernment of spirits that have actually impacted my day to day thought process mm-hmm. um, and learning about like the definitions of the virtues. Who would have ever thought yeah. that? Well, that's why I'm, I'm so passionate about them, because they are really, really uh, profound and powerful lenses with which we are able to look at. All the ordinary elements of our life, all, every moment, every action, all, all of our thoughts, all of our feelings, is a framework for for understanding how all those work together, and what we're going to do if we if we need to make changes, which we always do. We always need to be making changes, uh, taking steps forward. Um, but oftentimes, life is just is a blur, you know. And uh, the virtues are this great lens for that. But their their profundity and power have been often rendered. Um, uh, inane and impotent by, you know, imprecise definitions or, or sort of just kind of casual uh, use of the terms that are in imprecise ways. And, and I think that the definitions of mm-hmm. the virtues mm-hmm. and opposing vices, excuse me, um, actually help me formulate questions 
for myself in the moment. Mm-hmm. Like today when we, we're going to talk about temperance, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we're going to talk about the difference between fear and desire. Mm-hmm. And even just like assessing a situation, um, thinking to yourself, like, what am I afraid of? Right. And and sometimes the what am I afraid of is I'm afraid of losing this thing that I want, yeah. <laughs> you know, or this feeling that I want or, mm-hmm. you know, this experience that I want, which would be a desire. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, even just being able to articulate that in a moment yeah. helps you make a decision mm-hmm. in your everyday life. Right. Or to look back and say, okay. A bad thing happened, you know. I got I got angry, or I did something, you know. But to look behind that or before that action and say, okay, what was going on in my heart? Mm-hmm. You know, I was upset. I'd been upset for a long time before that. But what triggered that? What was going on? And and you can begin to put names and labels, uh, helpful names mm-hmm. and labels on things. You know, that yeah. helps you recognize the next time that comes up and make a little bit different decision for it. It's all about keeping. We already talked about prudence. It's all about keeping prudence at the helm. Mm-hmm. That we have to be the ch- the charioteers. We have to be piloting this chariot, not our feelings, not either our fears, on the one hand, uh, nor our desires. They're they're there for a reason. They have a purpose that they're part of us, and especially uh, for temperance, it's, that's even more true. But they can't be piloting the ship. They can't be steering the chariot unless you're pregnant. <laughs> In which case, there. your husband has pilot ships sometimes. <laughs> in which case, if your body doesn't eat something. No, I'm kidding. Actually, I was thinking about that on the way up as we were driving, or yeah. down, as we were driving down, about how, you know, the, the quintessential um, example of desire is mm-hmm. like the pregnant woman who, if you mention onion rings, <laughs> it's no longer like, ooh, onion rings sound good. It's like a... How am I going to get onion rings at 930 in the morning, beer battered and deep fried, you know? <laughs> um, but I, I, I've actually been noticing these last few pregnancies mm. or these last two pregnancies, um, not having as many insane cravings. Yeah. Because usually I'm like, uh, okay, like listen to my body. If my body's telling me that I want to eat like, I don't know, something sm- like smothered with mayonnaise, like a, a Big Mac or not not a Big Mac. That's gross. Like so, what's that thing from Burger King? I would always eat a Whopper. <laughs> less, less on the level of grossness. I don't know. Um, but like I used to be have to tell myself, well, fat, like mm. my body's telling mm. me to eat fat. Um, when I was pregnant with Dominic and my doctor, mm. our first and my doctor had me on a low fat diet because I was gaining weight. Mm-hmm. All I wanted was like. Eggs and mayonnaise, mm-hmm. eggs and mayonnaise. And my body was just telling me like that. Um, mm, Teresa tangent. And now you're. <laughs> <laughs> Ethan, we're gonna need, we? we're gonna need some onion rings before we continue this discussion. Well, let me let me uh, contextualize. <laughs> yeah, tell us what let's, temperance. Let's get is. our get our bearings on the map here, and then we'll talk a little bit about the definition of temperance, and then dig into it a bit. Okay, so we've talked about. Uh, the four cardinal virtues. We're on the fourth now. We talked about prudence, which is this turning to reality, this this habit of soul by which we are the kind of people who turn to and they we live in reality. We want to stay in reality. We don't want to flee into unreality, into lies, into ideologies, into uh, narratives. We want to stay uh, facing reality and making decisions accordingly. And it's not just again, it's not just an intellectual thing. It's a it's a state of being that we're practicing. It's a habit of being. I find, I find myself often when we're like looking at church teaching, mm. saying like in my heart and in my head, like mm. I love reality. Yes. 
I love how the church and everything that she does, whether it be, you know, sex or nature or whatever, like is always turning towards reality. Mm -hmm. And it, it like just fulfills this Mm -hmm. deep desire to be real and met and not have any punches pulled. Is that the right way to say that? Yeah. That works. works Your dad always like flips it. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) So. Prudence is turning Prudence. to reality, living in reality, making decisions based on truth rather than something other than truth. Uh, justice is one of the primary realities that Prudence turns to, which is the reality, this this highest reality that we live in of being persons created by God as persons who are in relationship within, with other persons. We live in this web of relationships, relationship with God, relationship with our spouse, relationship with our friends, with our children, with employer, employees, everybody else. And justice is the habit by which we attend to those relationships. We observe the nature of those relationships and we we give to those people uh, according to the relationship. And, and the relationships are not something that we make up. They're something objective and real. Marriage is objective mm-hmm. and real. It's not something I make up. It's not based on my feelings. It is real. And it, it, um, it places real duties and responsibilities upon me. And yeah. so justice is acting in accord with that relationship, going deeper into that relationship and making sure that all the relationships in my life are in relative hierarchical order. Mm-hmm. So that's prudence and justice. And then after prudence and justice, we have these two pillar virtues. And it's it's important, I think, to talk about courage and temperance, these pillar virtues together, because as you mentioned earlier, they kind of they have to do with the two predominant uh, passions that we experience that um, are are part of our human nature for a purpose um, but are often out of order and are, are often what is behind our failure to do the good, our failure to, to carry forth with justice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those two predominant passions are fear and desire. Um, and so on the one hand, we talked about courage. We talked about um, courage as being the, the virtue by which we, we when we encounter fear, you know, a threat to our mentality or a perceived threat to our mentality because it's interesting. Every every fear, even even moderate fear, is like, oh, I don't want to get out of bed because it's so cold outside right now. Like, even the smallest fears, they in in, in our body, they they give us this this sense of like, oh, I'm gonna die, and you have to kind of challenge that. Like, well, no, I'm not going to die. <laughs> like, yeah. even though it feels like that, even though like my my body's screaming that, no, I'm not gonna die. Um, because all of our fears sort of have this a little bit of a, an implicit lie in them that they're they're telling us something true, but they also contain because of our concupiscence they contain uh, a, a hyperbole, <laughs> like they contain you know this this um, this exaggeration, and we have to challenge them a little bit, and say no, 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 no I, I know it's true, um, and I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to do the hard right thing, even though it's hard because it's right, um, and I'm most of the time I'm not going to die. And even if I do die, if it really is a case of danger, I'm going to do the right thing because um, there is a worse death than a, a physical death. Mm-hmm. So that's courage. Now today we're talking about temperance, which, again, it moderates the the other predominant uh, type of passion we feel, which is desire. And let me quickly read from the catechism here just to get some additional words and phrases out here that we can use. This is paragraph 1809. Temperance is the moral virtue that moderates the attraction of pleasures and provides balance in the use of created goods. It ensures the will's mastery over instincts 
and keeps desires within the limits of what is honorable. The temperate person directs the sensitive appetites towards what is good and maintains a healthy discretion. And there's there's more in there, and it's all good stuff, but that gives us the basic meat of it, that it's the virtue that that deals with moderating and directing and guiding and ordering uh, this life of, of desires and, that we have inside. Response. I, I don't have what I'm thinking. <laughs> um, we, uh, so this is a good definition. There's lots of definitions you could put toward temperance. Um, I like the way that um, Joseph Pieper puts it in his book on the Cardinal Virtues. Very, very simply, he puts it, and this is kind of what I alluded to at the be- beginning of the episode, that temperance could be seen as selfless self-preservation. Selfless self-preservation, as opposed to selfish mm-hmm. self-preservation. So we yeah, again, we're created by God. Sitting out of the shot. You know, we're created by God with desires for food and drink and reproduction and uh, affirmation from the community and all sorts of other things that are that are for our flourishing as human beings. And so they're they're good. They're good. I mean, they're created by God. Those things are created by God. Our desires for them are created by God. Um, the issue is that because of our concupiscence, because of of our, you know the the effects of original sin. They're often out of order or they're disproportionate to what's actually good for us. They're not submitted as they ought to be. They're not in line with our intellect and will. You know, so they're not uh, oftentimes rather than being being the horses that drive the chariot under the guidance of prudence, they're often, you know, pulling the chariot all over the, the place, you know, to the to the food and then to the drink and then to the sex. And and the key is that. Um, temperance means we bring the horses into order. We give them a purpose and a mission, but we remain the drivers of the chariot. Yeah, we were talking about it on the way here, and I'm still like trying to to puzzle around this. But when I think of a desire that I have for something, mm-hmm. I mean, aside from the very, very basic desire, like I'm trying to think of something that I binge, mm-hmm. and I binge raspberries. Mm-hmm. Okay, just like... <laughs> When I buy them at the store, like they don't make it home, even if I have like three or four containers. Um, but aside from that, <laughs> um, like it's hard for me to think of a desire mm-hmm. that I indulge in mm-hmm. that isn't fear-based, mm-hmm. which would like push it into the realm of courage, mm-hmm. I guess. But I mean, like it, it is really hard for me to think of something that is just truly desire-based. Well, let's explain what you mean by that. So what do you mean fear? We were talking about this in the car, but make sure that we, we put it out there. Yeah, so I'm trying to think of, um, like, if I sit down, if I'm being lazy, mm-hmm. okay, so you would think just like, oh, your desire to sit and binge and, like, get a dopamine response, you know, from being on your computer or whatever. Um, the reason why I sit down in the first place is because I've thought of something that I don't want to do. Right. You're you're stressed out. Or that I'm af- you know, or, or when I think of it makes me afraid. Right. You know, like I'm always this is like a perpetual thing that you and I are always going over. Like I'm terrified that we're going to get so many piles of mess in our house mm-hmm. that I can never tackle them mm-hmm. and we're just going to live life on top of piles of things. Right. right. Okay. <laughs> and so sometimes like, especially when I'm I'm really pregnant or I'm sick or something and you mm-hmm. have to say, like, you can't do this thing right now. You can't go outside and lift a whole bunch of mm-hmm. things and move things around, you know. Um, 
like the response to that fear mm-hmm. is then like, well, I might as well just not do. I bet I better self care and sit on the couch and just watch TV. Right. You know, but it's not it's not necessarily based in desire. Right. So one thing, and Joseph Pieper uh, talks about this in his book, uh, The Cardinal Virtues. Now, I don't have the reference with me, so I'm going to paraphrase him. But he talk, but there again, as we've said from the beginning, talking about these virtues, that there is a specific, they are in an order for a reason: prudence, justice, fortitude, temperance. Um, and I like to think of fortitude and temperance as these two pillar virtues. But there is still a sense in which actually courage is still a higher virtue. Um, and I won't go into the reasons for that right all the reasons right now because I can't think of them you know but at least in this respect that um, a failure most of many of our weaknesses with with regards to temperance do have their base in um, a fundamental lack of courage in other words like we go through life we're anxious we're fearful we're stressed out people for various reasons and that state puts us vulnerable to uh, failures in temperance because hey an easy way to deal with the stress is to indulge in something is it am i indulging in this fundamentally because i just absolutely love i just love raspberries so much well no maybe buffalo chicken dip it could be i mean that that could be your thing i suppose (laughs) um but that actually would be a a more innocent uh a weakness right and that's why it's just 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 (laughs) a weakness of desire but for mo- for many of us, like you, our our intemperance is actually based in a in a uh, a failure of courage, and that we're 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 wrestling with fear, we're wrestling with stress, anxiety in our lives, and the easy outlet for that, the easy way to 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 um, and get some temporary relief from that is to indulge in something sensual, and so that's it's an important distinction because sometimes I think I think it's important because sometimes you can't attack. Uh, issues of temperance directly. Mm-hmm. You have to attack them indirectly. You know, so like the person who has a, an issue with alcohol, he can't necessarily go right to the source and say, okay, I'm just going to practice drinking less alcohol rather than as much as I have. Well, sometimes he has to take a break from alcohol and work on his life mm-hmm. and he may not be able to go back to it at all. And that's, I think, true for lots of things in temperance. We not, can't always attack the thing itself. You know, the thing, I, I keep coming back and overindulging in this. Well, sometimes the attack isn't to just try to indulge less or the right amount, we may be too weak for that. We have to address what's causing this weakness. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes that's not yeah. more on the level of, of fear. So that's why you would call courage a higher virtue because if there's something wrong in your temperance, it is, it's likely a wound in courage, right. like something you're afraid of right? that you're not facing. Right. You know, again, sins of purely sins of temperance are, are in some sense more innocent Mm-hmm. sins right you have the person who's who otherwise they're basically virtuous they're basically prudent just and, and courageous but they just um they have a, an overabundance of desire for some good thing mm-hmm. well there's still a failure there there's still a sin but it's a much more innocent sin versus the person who craves something because they have an unexamined and undealt with f- fear and mm-hmm. wound that they're not facing up to well that ends up being a much more uh, dark, uh, you know, kind of a, a moral place to be in. Um, and it's not located primarily in temperance. It was like the gospel reading today. Was it? Dang. The young man who his dad told him to go out work in the field and he was like, no. <laughs> and then he's like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I should yeah, do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other young man who was like, yes, father, and then didn't go and do it. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that connected today. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't worry. Yeah. 
Either you get it or you don't, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another another person who's I think you know phrased well unintentionally I think described temperance in, in a neat way recently. Jordan Peterson, we've mm-hmm. referenced him before in here in his book Twelve Rules for Life. One of his rules, I'm not going to get the wording exactly right, but he it's it's something like treat yourself as if you were someone for whom you were responsible to care for or something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, and I referenced it a little bit at the beginning of the episode. It, it connects with Christ's gospel exhortation to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, to love your neighbor as you love yourself implies there's a healthy self-love, right? Well, what's that? How do you figure out what's the healthy way to love yourself? Well, you turn around and say, well, how would I... If I was to care for my neighbor, how would I care for him? Well, I don't understand how that connects with temperance. It connects with temperance because when we we have to apply reason to our desires for self preservation. Mm. Okay. Like the, the desires themselves can't be the metric. Like if I if I if I try to decide how much I'm to eat today, mm-hmm. well, just how much I feel like eating can't necessarily be. See, the guiding principle there. Maybe it's because I'm like type A choleric and a woman uh-huh. <laughs> that I hear that a completely different way. Mm. I hear that as like, like you just had a baby and you've got a gaping wound the size of a dinner plate in your uterus. Stop getting up and like walking around and trying to do things around your house. Mm-hmm. Because if you were taking care of somebody who had like a gaping wound on their leg and it started ripping open every time they moved around, you would tell them, sit still. <laughs> But that, that in my mind, doesn't line up with temperance. Why? Well, because it just seems like... So in that case, you have a person whose wait. desire is to get up and feel productive uh-huh. as a type A person. Uh-huh. There you yeah, go. Your desire as a type A person <laughs> is to always be feeling productive, always be closing, ABC. Like, you want to get there and sail. You know, you want to get some yeah. stuff done. And oftentimes, <laughs> you have to say, no, no, no. If I was caring for a mother who just had a baby... <laughs> and she was acting crazy and wanted to get off the couch and go, you know, like put in a new garden or something like that. You would like say, it would mean someone's wedding. No, you ought to that. continue to rest, you know, and you need to take care of yourself. And you need to, you know, like you need to eat some good food and you need to, yeah. So it, we want, I want to do a postpartum <laughs> episode. Yeah. Before this baby comes. Uh-huh. Uh, so just, yeah. yay. Look forward to that. <laughs> some, for some reason, it's easier. Um, and this is one of Peterson's uh, points that he was talking about in that chapter. For some reason, it's easier when we think about somebody else. We think about a child or a parent. Mm-hmm. You know, if we were imagining, if we if they were in our care, yeah, well, what would we want for them? How would we arrange their schedule? You know, how would we want them to eat? You know, again, if we were trying to set up a good life for them, well, what would that consist of? Yeah, because your fears are no longer there. Right. Your fears for yourself are no longer there. Ah. Uh, Actually, that's a good point. It's probably yeah. yeah that's probably because one of the things that really complicates it, it. Yeah, yeah. Your fears, are, yeah, are, are what uh, make it difficult to be reasonable about that for yourself. Yeah, yeah. So that's a, a helpful way to think of it too. Um, that it's selfless self-preservation. That was Peeper's point. That it's not an egoistic uh, self-preservation. You're not you're not making it self-referential. You know. W- What's good for me is what I want, you know, kind of this circular thing. And you're stepping outside of yourself for a moment and you're saying, no, no, objectively speaking, what would be good for this person that I am in charge of taking care of, which happens to be myself. And then you, you try to be reasonable about making rules and making plans 
you know, so that you're the things yeah, that you so desire. So you are being that charioteer yeah. in that moment mm-hmm. when you're, yeah. And you know, and again, we we often go through life precisely the opposite, right? And if you think about the term rationalization, you know, to, when somebody we we accuse somebody of rationalizing, oh, you're rationalizing your behavior. Well, what we mean is they're going through life just doing what they feel like. And then they're trying to rationalize reasons why it's the right thing to do. You know, I, I, I ate the whole cake. Why'd you eat the whole cake? Oh, well, because it was somebody's birthday and I was really hungry. And I like, no, you're, you're rationalizing. This is parenting <laughs> for us right now. You, you didn't think ahead of time whether <laughs> it was a good idea to eat the cake. You just did it. And now you're you're rationalizing. Yeah. You know, so we if we let our desires drive our action and then our, our reason kind of brings up the rear well, that's rationalization, and we don't want to be people who rationalize. We want to be people who reason. You know, our prud- in in prudence, we want to we want to think ahead and say, well, no, what would be the right amount of cake to eat at this birthday party, for instance? You know, what's the the right routine and schedule that'll that'll lead to a, a healthy and peaceful life? What what's the amount of sleep that I really ought to be trying to get? And what will what are the things I need to do, desire aside, to make sure I'm getting that kind of sleep? That's prudence looking ahead. And then doing its best to bring those desires for various things into line with the plan. So I kind of want to pick your brain about how I think a lot of times when you are recognizing something in yourself that you want to smash, mm-hmm. you know, you've recognized your sin mm-hmm. and you're, you've finally come face to face with it. Yeah. And your response oftentimes is maybe rationalization. Mm-hmm. But once you've gotten past the point of rationalization, it's like puritanism. Yeah. Like which is interesting, want, right? It, which is what you associate with temperance. Like when you hear temperance, you think of the temperance movement right, right. where you're basically outlawing mm-hmm. or making illegal yeah. this vice so that people can't partake yeah. in it. And I I don't want to get into like social stuff because I'm not like, a, I'm not a libertarian. I don't think that all things should be free all the time. <laughs> and be up to people we need, we need rules and we need but like um laws and things yeah yeah so how do you keep yourself from um because i'm that way with video games mm. like i have and a Teresa's real got a really bad in case you didn't know he's a really bad video game habit <laughs> we're working on it but it's no i have a i have a really <laughs> big wound from my childhood right. with video games and i would just like rather not have you know, and also in a very utilitarian way, like I just don't. Why yeah. would I spend my time? Well, this is a no, this is a really great, time. a really great example here because, yeah. So the example you just gave earlier, you know, so you you indulge in something, and we all we, we all have moments where that happens and we regret it. Well, the question is, do we we take that opportunity to reset and go back to prudence, or do we overreact on the level of passion in the other direction? So the desire for the thing you want to indulge in, that's one desire. But then the desire to kind of overreact in the other direction to feel better is just another desire. Yeah. So we I, swing between, you know, the kind of the binge purge cycle, you know. It's but so they're both, hard. Yeah. It's hard, though, yeah. because especially now when, like, information is just so readily available mm-hmm. and every Catholic website has, you know, their daily thing, their daily clickbait. Mm-hmm. And it's not bad. I love, I like Alitalia. Alatea, Alatea, whatever. Alethea. Alethea. We're both wrong. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but, you know, like they have to produce content every single day. And sometimes the content feels contradictory. I love this. Gosh, I'm saying names and I shouldn't say names. Yeah. But it's um, 
It's like, so like, let's take magic, for example. Okay. I have a background in new age and dabbling into that kind of stuff and coming gosh darn close to an exorcism to have to get rid of it. Okay. The attachments of it to me. Um, scary stuff. It's all real. Don't do it. (laughs) But then like, I couldn't even, I couldn't even like, like think about Sleeping Beauty, the Disney movie, Mm -hmm. because there's witches and witchcraft in there. And I bought that and liked it was cool. I liked that and thought it was cool. (laughs) Or like, you know, Harry Potter is a great example or the Lord of the Rings, you know, and actually the Lord of the Rings and C.S. Lewis's Narnia was something that helped heal that particular sure, wound. Sure. But it's like witchcraft is wrong and mm-hmm. the devil is real. And anytime you dabble in that stuff, but then it's like, well, when you're in fiction, in the world of fiction, mm-hmm. you know, like, is that dabbling? Mm-hmm. Like it, it's and, and everybody, you know, some exorcist says, yes, people who read Harry Potter start to become possessed. And then mm-hmm. some exorcist says, yeah. No, it's not stuff like that. <laughs> you well, this, know what I mean? So, I so can't, it's like, yeah. well, I guess, so my point is yeah. how, like, how do you ever get over that fear of Puritanism mm-hmm. and really turn towards the reality of, am I worshiping something? You know, am I calling on the spirit world to, you, you know what I mean? Like, maybe you don't know what I mean. I don't know if I'm being clear, mm. but I mean, how do you? When all the information is flying at you from all the kinds of different Catholic sources get telling you definitively, you shouldn't read Harry Potter hmm. <laughs> or you're going to become possessed. Like, how do you keep this from being scrupulous, the Puritan, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Like, how do you have so many questions in your head in every moment of every day of, yeah. you know? Well, and again, scrupulosity is a fear, mm-hmm. right? It's based in a fear. So it's almost like, again, we have these layers of our being. And, and when we get down to temperance, we're dealing with the layer that is our our, our, our passions, our desires, our feelings. Um, and if we remain only at that level, well, then we just, we kind of just, we're just a bundle of desires and passions and they're going all over the place and they're contradictory. So would you say that like temperance is the easier thing to rectify? Intemperance, I'm sorry. So like when when you're in college and you take the what's my root pri- what's my root sin? And everybody gets lust. Sensuality. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's I mean like sensuality in all reality is the easiest thing. Easiest thing to fix. Yeah. Pride well, and I'd say that it's um so yes and no. I'd say so temperance, uh, lust would fall under. So I'd say, on, like, if you're working down through the virtues, um, it's going to be the last thing to go. That you're still going to deal with, you know, des- desires. Uh, maybe I'm not sure. That okay, so that. maybe the easiest thing to fix, but also the last thing to go because they're always present to you. Right. Especially right. if you don't live in a monastery. They're, yeah. You know, you if you're not living in a can't get away life, from the world. You know, you're always gonna yeah. Have, but but there's always going to be takeout, and there's always going to be. Right. You know, like a cozy couch with a television. <laughs> right, right. And again, those are, if it's strictly on the level of, if it's more on the level of desire and not coming out of a place of fear, then um, it's 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 a pretty innocent thing. It's it's still a sin. It's still a missing of the mark, but it's it's less of a big deal than if we're out of a place of fear, you try to use worldly things to fill a wound, mm-hmm. you know, and so... 
that's why I think uh, temperance issues of of temperance are not often they're not always things we can we can address directly. It's more we have to go back to the source, the thing mm-hmm. above them that's is causing the weakness. Temperance is still just like this ball of confusion. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> is there any hope in this, this episode? Life? Worked. <laughs> I'm not sure if we can land this So just place. forget about temperance. <laughs> just forget it doesn't exist. The church says <laughs> it's a, one of the the four cardinal virtues, but forget about it. Church is wrong. <laughs> no, no, no. See, we should have brought stuff in from the scholastics and the fathers on temperance. It's all in here. Okay. We'll cut out a bunch of this. I'm not sure. We don't have to cut part. out any of this, babe. <laughs> <laughs> People have podcasts that are like three hours long. Do you ever watch Matt Fred? He literally just got drunk on his lap. <laughs> but he, but well, first of all, you just said that, and second of all, he's also got a really cool accent. No, he's really cool. <laughs> no, I always think about how can I make this podcast more like Matt Fred's. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm always pregnant. I can't drink Matt, on the you podcast. Tell us, so what's your secret? I fail. Other than the accent. No, it's the drinking. Is that what it is? Yes, pints with Aquinas, babe. Regardless of what got cut before this, let's wrap this up. <laughs> By a quote from St. Augustine, which is here in the catechism. Uh, in I'm going to in, look intently in at you okay. as if we had just been talking. Okay. Uh, he writes, To live well is nothing other than to love God with all one's heart, with all one's soul, and with all one's efforts. From this, it comes about that love is kept whole and uncorrupted through temperance. I'm, I'm going to read more of the quote in a moment, but um, an important aspect of temperance he kind of mentions here is sort of purity and integrity of heart. And one of the effects of intemperance, in other words, being people who have a desire attachment to all kinds of things, is that mm-hmm. we don't have an intact and pure heart that we can give wholly to God or to spouse or to neighbor. And so one of the reasons we we temper our desires is because we want to have a heart that is single, you know, a mind that is single, so that we're able to 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 love kind of purely. And again, when we say purely, we're not talking about sexual uh, purity here. We're talking about whether you're a divided person or you're a singular person. Uh, and when you're a person who's pulled all around by all kinds of different desires, you can't be present. You can't give your heart uh, simply to one person or to one activity. And so that's one of the effects of temperance is that mm-hmm. there's a, a serenity of spirit. Aquinas talks about this, that uh, temperance is the serenity of spirit that comes about as a result of inner order. So you put yourself in order and you have the serenity of spirit by which you're able to. That really actually people. makes temperance make all the sense. There you go. That's Thanks, what... St. Augustine. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was Aquinas. <laughs> well, there was multiple quotes in there. You just said afterwards. Oh, oh, the serenity of spirit? That's well, that Aquinas. Little, that's Aquinas. Well, like yeah. dividedness. Yeah. Well, so it's a bit of both. Yeah. Because I I mean, that's me. Mm-hmm. I mean, you live with me. You mm-hmm. see it. There's a million different things that I can do. And I've got the whole world is my oyster as... Oyster farmers. <laughs> Larry the oyster farmer always says. <laughs> but like, no, I mean, one of the hardest, actually, one of the hardest parts of homeschooling yeah. was not doing all the things. Right. I mean, that took me several years to be like, I don't have to do, they don't all have, I don't have to have a million busy bags. We don't have to do all the unit studies. And we don't have to, you know, like every curriculum looks amazing mm-hmm. and every curriculum is the one I'm going to choose. Um, it took a really long time to make myself a less divided person by focusing my heart on the one thing. And we like we actually we need to do it. Um, 
an episode or so on mm-hmm. homeschooling mm-hmm. Um, where like we really focus on what we actually want for yeah. our children and not all the different amazing opportunities that now we have because yeah. we don't have well, this is, a brick and mortar. Again, there's another system. effect of, of, of prudence being at the helm in that we may have a desire, even again, all these desires are good in a sense, right? Even if they have a, a misdirection or a twistedness to them. But our desire to to do all the things, mm-hmm. to do all the activities, to take all the opportunities, to do all the social events. Well, it's a, I mean, there's a good desire there, but prudence has to step in and say, "Well, we we can't do them all. We have to pick. We have to pick the ones that fit in our schedule. We have to mm-hmm. not let those crowd out more important things like prayer or like family time. And so again, our desires, you know, orient us towards good things, but they have to be submitted to prudence." making a plan, make, you know, being reasonable about organizing our life. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about this because this is a difficult, like there's not a mom's meeting Mm -hmm. or meeting with my friend that goes by where we're not talking about the pressure of all the things that we're missing out on Mm -hmm. and not necessarily like career things Mm -hmm. or whatnot, but just like, oh, I couldn't do this Bible study at church, you know, or I couldn't, I couldn't participate in all the activities or my kids aren't going to go to ballet this semester and I'm ruining them and they can't, you know what I mean? Like, is it more they can't desire, go to this though? person's party. They can't it, go to this person's FOMO. Well, but so where does that, I mean, like, where does that fit in there where you have the desire for all the good, all, all of the opportunities. So mm. I've been looking at temperance as a negative. Yeah. Like a thing I need to cut out. Mm. But that quote just made me think of it instead as a, as a positive. I mean, you always think that way, like fruit and sex or fruit. (laughs) I'm being really specific here. Yeah. Raspberries are in my mind. Um, You think of something good, but I had Mm -hmm. never thought of it in terms of like actually need needing to rectify my need to eat raspberries on the way home from the store. I mean, like that never really entered my mind as something that needs to be changed, but it is, it's a struggle not to put things on the schedule. Mm -hmm. Because they're good opportunities. Right. I mean, I have tons of good friendship opportunities that I have to miss out on because I have other things in the lines of just in the because you just can't do it all. Right. You can't schedule it all and be like a sane person. Yeah. You'd be like a crazy shifty eye. I get that way sometimes when I do too much. Like I'm shifty eyed. I can't keep my focus on anything. Mm-hmm. And if is it Aquinas or Augustine who was saying that like being a divided um, being well, a whole person, yeah, or a person Augustine who was saying, a from this, heart. from this it comes about that love is kept whole and uncorrupted. Wait, who said that? That's, <laughs> I wasn't listening to the first That's half. Augustine. 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 Augustine whatever. Aquinas, uh, somewhere in Aquinas, it's the serenity of spirit. Temperance is this. So the fruit, I mean, you talked about the fruit there. So there's the tempering side of temperance, where there's kind of a restraining, a saying no, a holding back. And that's that's kind of the popular conception of temperance is just the negative, Mm -hmm. but the fruit of temper, the fruit of tempering is a a serene Mm -hmm. spirit, an intact heart that can be given a wholly to one thing. So when I'm enjoying this activity or this person or God in prayer, my heart is now at peace and whole so it can be given because again, the end result, the goal here 
is not to be people, we're not to be stoic Buddhists for whom desire has been killed off. Mm -hmm. Like we'll solve our problems by killing off desire and just kind of being stoic robots now. Yeah. No, the goal is to be people whose hearts are now ordered and pure and we can be passionately in love with God. Yeah. You know, or fully in, enveloped, uh, involved, uh, present to the person that we're with. I and mean, that's this fruit of temperance. Yeah. I think yeah. we had talked about it before in a friendship episode where being married to you, mm. being committed and married to you mm. has made me a better lover of other men, mm. you know, because there's not, there isn't this like fear of missing out or like mm. this attention I want to grab from another person. Like it was when I was single, right? right you know, right. where it's just like, everybody's a possibility, Yeah, you know, where now that my heart is at rest mm -hmm. and my heart is undivided, right. then it means that like, it, it it's like, all the male and female world, but that it's, I'm talking specifically about marriage here, but like the, the male world is like yeah. a beautiful unfolding mm -hmm. of like a person, yeah. you know, that I can enjoy and love um, and truly love, yeah. you know, um, thinking of, of men in my life who are just so, I just love them and I love yeah. them more and I love them with a more, not pure because that makes you think sexual, but like, like a pure, right? Just love for the person. Yeah. Well, then this is really good. You're you're uncovering layers of temperance that I I hadn't, I hadn't thought to talk about. Um, and this one is precisely that. So when I talk to when I talk to the kids about temperance, the way I've described it is well, it's it's um it's enjoying a good thing in such a way that it remains a good thing for you. Mm -hmm. uh, in other words, you talked about you use the example of, of men. Um, we can pick anything. Like if if we have no temperance with regards to ice cream, well, we ruin ice cream. <laughs> like you eat ice cream and you get sick, and you're like, oh, it's terrible. Like, but also not not just that, not just that you overindulge and you suffer the consequences of it, but it's that in your craving for it. I mean, in an intemperate craving is a desire to be fulfilled in a way that that thing can can't actually fulfill you. So the indulgence is to try to. To, to make that thing something it's not. Just like lust, you're trying to, you're using that, that person as an object when they're not an object. And so there's the bad effects of doing that, but there's also the fact that you've also destroyed your ability to enjoy that person or that, that thing in the way, in what it actually is. Mm -hmm. You can't enjoy uh, the person, you can't enjoy the ice cream, you can't enjoy the alcohol, you can't enjoy the thing because your, your intemperance... Um, kind of malforms your ability to experience it. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the it's only the temperate man that can be, that can enjoy the things of this world, who can enjoy food and drink, uh, the, the beauty of a painting, the beauty of another person. Only the person who's not, who doesn't have desires that have run rampant can enjoy those things for what they are and not for what their imagination wants to, to make out of them. Yeah, I've, um, I'm going to find a way. Yes. This was jogged. Okay. And I'm going to try to remember how this was jogged. Okay. <laughs> okay. So um, over the last few years, um, moving our schooling to home, mm -hmm. staying, you know, moving your job closer to home, um, having things, you know, inviting people to our home mm -hmm. instead of like always going to social events in different places and getting a babysitter and going away from home. Mm -hmm. Like we have endless social opportunities because we just invite people over to our home all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I have found it 
like like I'm just I'm a I'm a better wife. I'm a better homemaker. I, I, I you live with me, so I know you're thinking like, are you? <laughs> no, but like on the on internally, mind is blank. There's a cat in the it's room. The nothing box. <laughs> um, so for the people who are just listening to this, there is a cat in the room. Actually, yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, like my my life is stable and centered mm-hmm. in a way that <laughs> I heard that cat. The, the cat is gone now. <laughs> the cat's gone. Cat, uh, cat status update. Cat is gone. <laughs> Continue. Um, you know, and I I see the ways in which I could be frantic mm-hmm. if my career was elsewhere, mm-hmm. if our schooling was elsewhere, yeah. if we were far from family, if we if 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 we hadn't intentionally made decisions to kind of like rein things in and bring them closer to home. I mean, we even noticed this when we were um, helping take care of my dad after his spinal surgery, Mm -hmm. that the closer he was to our home, Mm -hmm. the better I could help, you know, otherwise it was kind of like, Oh crap, we get to spend a half an hour with my dad over lunchtime because I can only take one kid into the nursing home, you know? Um, But the, the closer things were to the, the less divided I was. Um, and that actually makes me like a better servant to the church. It makes me a better servant to society. Actually, I think about this all the time since we've decided for me to stay home and for us to homeschool, I've been offered a job at least once a year Mm -hmm. and and like a a job I would totally take, you Mm -hmm. know, jobs I would, I would totally jump on, you know, or like big positions somewhere. Um, and every time I kind of look at those positions and I'm like, they would make me impotent, you know, with the exception of one, like I work for a pilgrimage company, but which is my dream job. Mm-hmm. Um, but like they, <laughs> my dividedness, I would, I see now would make me very, imp- would mm. make me a less better servant, mm. a, a, a less imp- a less, less of an asset to the people mm-hmm. who are thinking they're going to hire me to oh, be this, this asset. This is good. I mean, so one way we might put this again, you mentioned earlier, kind of being a type A personality. I think people who have more of that personality type, the mm-hmm. temperament, probably are the kind of people who do deal more with uh, temperance in a in a more pure sense. In the sense, they just they want to do it all. Mm-hmm. You know, it not, doesn't necessarily always based out of a fear. It's I just want to do all the things, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the reality is, though, you can't really multitask. You know, you can't really do all the things. You know, you can't. You oughtn't. Half-ass many things. You should whole-ass a smaller <laughs> number of things. Whole-ass the really important things. <laughs> right? Uh, and then the rest of the asses will kind of just fall in line. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, so there, there is this need to uh, to not let our desire uh, to, to produce, to, to be fruitful, to do all the things, yeah, make us impotent by dividing us too far. That's, again, where prudence has to be the guide here. We have to say, we have to submit this all to reason and to prayer, saying, Lord, yeah, but what are you calling me to do? Not just what do I want to do, because if it was just about what I wanted to do, I would do all the freaking yeah, things. I'm and totally so, Lord, what, what's the thing I'm called to do? Because in that thing, even if it's, if, if, it's, if it's less things than I would, by my own desire, want to be involved in, I'm going to be more fruitful mm-hmm. because I'm going to be more, more focused on one thing. I'm going to be more present. I'm going to have a more... Uh, integrated and unified heart, but also because by stepping into God's will, I'm connecting to grace. Yeah. And it's not just like, I want to clarify this because I think a lot of times people think they're called to things Mm -hmm. and they're not actually called to things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. So, um, 
I could have rationalized a lot of reasons why I would have been called to take any one of those jobs. Sorry, we're both yawning like ridiculously through this entire episode. We're <laughs> boring ourselves. Um, what was I saying? Uh, clarify <laughs> God's will. God's will. Yeah, like so all of the positions that I have been offered were all Catholic in yeah, good relation, things, yeah. you know, and I could have been like, God is calling me to do this mm-hmm. thing. But then when I when I am where I am now mm-hmm. in the with the the power, quote unquote, that I've earned now over time, mm-hmm. I can actually look at all these oysters. <laughs> Wait. Yeah. Yes. All these things, all these opportunities, and say, like, this one it, it it serves the most in my own sphere of justice. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I am capable of doing this mm-hmm. in my particular vocation mm-hmm. as opposed to being like, oh, I want to, this is a made up thing. This is not something I was offered. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I want to be director of pro-life ministries in the diocese of Toledo. I can serve so many people and help so many things. Um, but <laughs> you know, but, you could, but then you'd have to reorder all the things that you've spent the time ordering right. in terms of your vocation and justice and whatnot. Yeah. And you can, you can, you often, I think you'll, we'll all recognize us having been at this place at times in our life where when we're operating on the level of just trying to negotiate many different desires, we're like, oh, I feel like I'm stuck. Like I want to do that, but also I want to do this, you know, and I want to keep taking good care of my family and I want to, it's all these wants and we're trying to find a plan where we can make them all work together. And while we remain on the level of, of, of just our desires, like we, we feel stuck. We feel like, Oh, how could I possibly negotiate this? How can I figure out what the best plan is? Well, and again, this is something you get to know over time as you practice the virtues is that you, you get, you're able to set that aside a little bit and really ask with a pure heart, like, Lord, but what am I actually called to do? What, what is not just what I want, but what really actually makes sense. And those decisions become clearer where um, it, I'm not basing this on my wants. I'm basing this on, on, on a reasoned, you know, uh, organization of my life. Um, yeah. And the, the that reality this thing is, that I desire, it, it doesn't fit right now. Yeah. yeah. Is that you can't do all the things. Mm-hmm. Cause we often see people where we're like, they do all the things. And I think people say that, I mean, no, I'm not, I think, I think people think that of me and I hear people say that to me often, Mm -hmm. but you do all the things and I could see how somebody looking at me from the outside would think that. But the reality is, is that I can't do all the things. Mm -hmm. And I know that really well. I started with being faithful to my spouse Mm -hmm. and I'm not a saint guys, but I'm I'm just speaking from experience. Mm -hmm. Faithful to my spouse and faithful to my children Mm -hmm. and then truly faithful to my the care of the body that produces mm-hmm. all the children and takes care of the spouse, you know? Um, and that God is capable of doing all the things. Yeah. A great book that we always recommend on this is Jennifer Fulweiler's One Beautiful Dream. Yeah. Um, you know, where you're always trying to, you know, you have this person in mind who does all the things and you're trying to be that person. But the reality is, is that you're not seeing how they've ordered their lives so that when God opens the opportunities, they seamlessly fit into their life. Mm-hmm. And the calling is there and it just mm-hmm. is open and it works because the 
the desires have been ordered according to prudence and yeah. justice, right? Um, That's a great point. Yeah, yeah there's, there's great examples in that book. She's kind of talking auto, autobiographically of situations. I mean, she's she's wrestling with discerning what's God's will. You know, I, I want to take on this project, but does it fit my life or does it not? She's discerning that, figuring that out. And at some parts of the story, she begins to grasp too much at this thing and tries to fit it in her life in a way that's not going to fit and it's going to actually mess things up. Whereas in other times, you know, when it when it's the right moment, she's able to to bring in this project and it's able to fit beautifully mm-hmm. into the whole of their family life. And mm-hmm. so again, God wants great things for us, yeah. um, but when we try when operating merely out of desire, we try to just jam it all together. I just want all the things. Well, we end up making a mess. Whereas when we step back and we're prudent, we organize our life. Uh, we're, we're, we're peace. We're, we're, we're operating from a place of peace because we've tempered these desires. Then we're able to receive these gifts from God mm-hmm. at the right time and in the right way and the right. Uh, I think this is foreshadowing our next episode. <gasps> what is it going to be about? What you just said. I don't oh, know. That's, that's I don't the name of it. We haven't we'll done it yet. Yeah. We probably got to leave that there. That's a lot of rambling about temperance. We're going to have to cut a lot of that out. <laughs> don't say that. I mean, this is perfectly it's all intact. Perfect. It's, it's all. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode of Elevate Ordinary. Hope that some of the rambling was coherent and interesting and edifying. We'd love to know what you think. Uh, about this or any of the other virtues or the topics or, or potential topics we could consider. Again, our, our basic structure, our basic um, strategy of the show is beginning with the daily parts of, of all of our lives, our vocations, our jobs, our marriages, our families. Pick a piece of that out, you know, uncover it, study it, you know, apply the virtues to it, try to get some insight into the opportunity that maybe we're missing there, and then to go back out into life with a renewed vision. Yeah, and, and contact so. us if you want us to come speak at your event. Yeah. And yeah. if you want a non-rambling spe- <laughs> speaker, just ask for no. him. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're you're open to the rambling, like we'll both come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bring all of our kids. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah, and you can check out more about our show at elevateordinary.com. Uh, you can join our Patreon community to help support the show. We'd appreciate that. And download the Awaken app to get uh, a great way to follow the show and other shows here on Awaken Catholic. And with that, I think that's, that's our, our episode. episode. Thanks, Thanks again for joining us for this discussion. discussion. We'll talk, talk to you again, again next week. week. God bless. <laughs>